play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I am your host, Neil Maligno. With me is our very own fantasy football version of the Tiger King. What up, Josh? <laughs> hey, hey, Neil. How's it going? <laughs> Everyone I knows what that is. I wasn't man. expecting that intro. That's yeah, that's, that's, he's our Oklahoma jo- uh, Tiger King, man. That's what he is. I'm sure. I feel like Josh has like a season pass there. So, um, Besides that, Adam is still not here. He's laying low from Corona still. So he's not joining us. We're letting him still continue his quarantine, self-isolation, distancing, whatever he's doing. We do have a doctor in the building, though. It's his first appearance on the show. We're happy to have him. You know, he brings a different layer to this episode than we, you know, typically. I mean, we cover this kind of stuff, but not with his kind of expertise. So I'd like to welcome to the show Edwin. You may know him as the, as the student doc, the FF student doc on Twitter. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Of course. I just man. have to make a micro correction. And I, I'm always conflicted. I'm like, okay, am I gonna sound like a douche or not? But technically I'm not a doctor yet. My test hasn't gotten canceled yet. <laughs> but I got four weeks. I got a, I got four weeks until my boards and I can actually call myself doctor. But all right, well we're I'm calling close. You know, I mean, I'm close, right? For all the work that you put in on Twitter, we're gonna consider you a doctor right now. It's <laughs> uh, fine. It's good enough. I think I've seen people that are like fantasy doctor and I'm like <laughs> What do you do? And they're like, I'm an accountant. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not that off. I'm, I'm doing, I'm in better shape than that. <laughs> no, yeah, you pass our board here, man. You're good. You're a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are, you know, there are people, you know, who are listening right now. You know, it may be first time. You know, it's your first time on the show, like I said. So, you know, unless they read the description, they may not know. I put a lot of work into that description, man. So, you know, hopefully they do read it. Sure. But, you know, they may not know yeah. exactly everything about you. So we're gonna fix that. Um, like I said, you're a doctor and physical, well, you're going to be a doctor. I'm calling you one. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep doing sure, it. Sure. Uh, physical therapy. So let's talk about, you know, how we can kind of better identify for people. Why, you know, why, why we want to apply your knowledge to make us better at winning fancy football and, and you know, this kind of stuff. Um, so what we do yeah, here is in the, in the beginning, I like to do a warm up questions, kind of, you know, kind of let you get your feet wet here. Um, you know, yeah. softball questions for you. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, okay. Um, so let's let's just go here first. How does you being a physical therapist or going to be a full blown physical therapist soon um, give you extra? You know, I guess we could say insight or uh, you know an advantage in some ways. Like, how, how do you feel like it gives you some extra insight into fantasy football? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. So the first thing is, um, I know back and forth, um, front and back. You know, maybe not not to the extent of, you know, experts of the experts, the top one percent, but I know the human body pretty well. I know uh, what all the muscles do. I know where they attach, where they connect. I know how they're injured. I know common injuries. And the most important thing, I think, is um, the the way that we're trained. Physical therapists is we're trained to literally watch movement, analyze it, break it down, know what could be happening in specific scenarios. And then more importantly, we see the patients, right? Mm-hmm. So when you see a player that, you know, goes down with some sort of hamstring injury, you know, the the orthopedic surgeon is a really, really important part or the ortho or the sports med doc is a super important part of the team. But the reality is that we are the ones that take the patients and, and the people who are injured through their protocol. We take them through what they're doing. We, we advance them. You know, we, we 
push them back. We pull the reins back if we need to. Just today, um, we had a patient, I saw a patient who said that uh, her physician who sent her for her ACL was like, yeah, I got a really long lecture about how I need to listen to anything that you say and anything that, that goes outside to what the physical therapists say um, I shouldn't listen to. And so the reason that I say that, say that is because I'm trying to highlight the fact that we see these people in these injuries on a daily basis and we read all the research on it on a daily basis every time it comes out. So we are so we're pretty in tune with what it's like to rehab an injury, what it looks like clinically, and then what the research says. So that's sort of a long way to say when I see an injury, I sort of view it um, for what it is. Um, I know what it is and I know what it looks like and I know what it might, you know, end up being to whereas, you know, person who doesn't have a medical training might just be like, oh, you know, what the F is a high ankle sprain. <laughs> right. Or you be like me and I go, oh, that looked bad. And I go, that looks like both will do. <laughs> yeah. So no, I think that's very important. So like, yeah, I, I imagine, you know, when you see injuries, it's like your brain just starts breaking down in your mind, like all these things that we can you know, going forward from there, like what could be happening and all these kind of things. And I'm just like, yeah, it looks pretty bad. Um, <laughs> which, so, yeah, which is, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, so I'm kind of curious MB, because obviously I feel like you're definitely looking at, you know, fantasy football and football in general from a different angle than the rest of us. Um, do you feel like, or even if you could think of it, like, is there ever a moment where your knowledge or expertise in that field got in the way of you like drafting, or trading for certain players or anything like is there like a guy you really like <laughs> yeah. where you're like i just know too much like you know what i mean it's a good question that's a good question um so it goes both ways right um before i really started uh blowing up you know sort of the stuff that i was starting to get some traction right which i appreciate everybody that follows me including you guys um before i started getting traction my 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 first hit whatever quote-unquote hit was the todd Gurley thing i put out a a piece on why you shouldn't draft Todd Gurley in 2019 and all the warning signs. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it goes both ways. So that one I nailed, um, I was, I avoided Gurley at all costs. Um, but a person that I think that it sort of came back to sort of bite me, uh, I'm trying to think because there definitely have been times where I'm too conservative <laughs> and I think there aren't like big swings and misses, but I strike out in like moments where I could have gained leverage, you know? Right. Um, there was a time where, you know, I think it was, gosh, um, an ankle sprain. I don't remember the, who the player was, but you know, they were pretty clearly probably going to be fine. But like my conservative brain was like, no, because they could have this, they could still have this deficit and plan. Yeah. I just like overthink it. Right. Right. So I'm like, yeah, the research says that they might have this or that. So I really have to balance that with just like going with my gut. Right. So it's sort of like the film versus analytics side of things. Um, I'll think, but if I think of it later in the show, I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember the name. The All right, player. cool. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you, were you were you ready for Cooper Cup to start the year like he did after his ACL? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. I, so I definitely saw that. Um, and I I was on board just because I mean, everybody had already done, you know, the athletic trainers and the PTs had done a, uh, all of the sort of work, the legwork for me. And I was just reading the reports um, and the interview with uh, Cooper Cup's athletic trainer who said that he was completely dialed in from the second he tore it. To this, you know, he to the time he got on the surgery table, to the time he got to his first PT appointment, that he was just locked in. I mean, he was having meetings with the nutritionist. He was having meetings with um, his his psych, his the sports psychologist. He was having meetings with, um, you know, the coaching staff. He was going to every single PT appointment. He was religious with all his exercises and stuff. 
So like when you see that, right, you're basically combining uh, just freak genetic potential, right? Because all these guys are just, you know, sort of genetic freaks. Right. Um, you're combining that with, you know, discipline, hard work, dedication, and then just the fact that he's young. And so I wasn't shocked at all that he came back and did what he um, what he did this year. So it sounds like you're I was very surprised just yeah. for the record. <laughs> I was completely off of Cooper Cup because of his ATL. I, I would not have even believed me if you told me that like try hard could make that much of a difference in uh, rehabbing a, a serious injury like that. No. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's totally reasonable because your, your, your brain probably defaults to the average, which is right. Like this year, Lamar Miller, who's 28 and uh, coming off an ACL injury and was sort of dust before that. Like I, even if he worked that super, super hard, I couldn't see him really having a season that Cooper cup had just because of the differences in terms of like age and timing and stuff. But it, it's a case by case basis, which sort of, sort of to bring it full circle, uh, like you were asking about Neil, like that's sort of um, why I think that what I do is valuable because it's not just a default. Oh, ACL. Boom. Here's your, right. you know, cookie cutter template right it's okay let's look at the specific individual situation right and, and and you know you mentioned age there like with the players age and stuff like is there a dramatic difference from like 25 to 30 or is it like a 10-year thing like 10 20 to 30 like at what point does it like get real like sketchy like from a from age standpoint it's like differences um it depends what position you're talking about right okay. so let's if can you narrow the question down yeah i guess if, let's say like a running back so like if he got if he tore an yeah. ACL and he's twenty and if he tore an ACL and he's thirty like is there like a dramatic difference or is it like you know it's not super different but it's clearly gonna be different like um, yeah so just anecdotally that's pretty much what you see is that the gap between twenty five and thirty is is pretty massive in okay. terms of NFL and I so like if a twenty five year old so I'm twenty seven if I tear my ACL and then you know a dude that's five years older than me thirty two tears his ACL, we have the exact same rehab surgeon protocol, et cetera. We're probably going to have similar outcomes and it won't really affect us one way or the other because we don't do professional, you know, elite activities for right. a living. But when you are literally the top already at the top of the top, the cream of the crop, um, it's crazy that you see this fall off, especially in running backs that between the ages of like 23 and 27 or 28 is really when you you see performance and there was a study done on 275 running backs and basically what they looked at was any running back who touched the ball 150 to 250 times and every running back that touched the ball 300 plus times and they all fell within the age of 22 to 28 so i know that's not specific to fantasy but if if volume is you know sort of what we're looking for in fantasy right you can pretty confidently say that after a running back turns 28, they're not going to get significant volume. It's hmm. interesting. That's why these teams phase them out. Just phase them out, get them out of the way. That's like right. Throw them away. That's unfortunate, man. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I'm always on team pay, pay running backs. They got to get their money when they can. I don't hold a grudge against any of those dudes who lock out, yeah. who hold out. No, I'm 100% with you. Um, as often as like the topic is debated, you know, you know, with injured players and you know, guys who get injured a lot or, you know, whatever it is. Like, there's a lot of people who believe, like, this guy is injury prone. Like, he's going to get hurt, right? Like, we see guys like Will Fuller, it seems like he gets hurt every year. I mean, for someone who's mm-hmm. like, this is your thing, right? Like, this is your 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 area of expertise. Do you believe in, like, injuries being predictable and guys getting hurt is predictable? Or do you think that, you know, it just kind of is a fluke thing? 
somewhere in the middle right okay. so like there's always that middle ground well it drives me nuts when people like jump to the injury prone for everything mm-hmm. they jump to injury prone for a freaking stubbed toe right like they're playing national they're in the national football league playing against other massive athletic dudes like they're gonna get nicked they're gonna get bruised they're gonna get bumped and bruised like i guarantee if you throw me out there you'd, you'd consider me injury prone right i'd probably die the first day i was out there <laughs> so that's what i think that's the first part that like sort of drives me nuts is like dude this is all relative the second thing is there are freak incidences um and i bring up keenan and all keenan allen all the time he's like the poster child keenan allen lacerated a kidney he tore his acl and then he broke his collarbone all within like three years those are all totally different random uh injuries other than um, the acl which is common in players the other two are like sort of not like they're just not common injuries in football players right but then you also brought up will fuller right so will fuller is showing us that yeah his contractile tissue so the the muscles essentially what people call soft tissue injuries Mm -hmm. those are adding up and those are definitely relevant and he tore his acl in 2018 um that was a time where it sort of paid off because i saw that he'd had such a significant history with with uh, hamstring injuries and I knew that people with hamstring injuries, players with hamstring injuries, sort of have this propensity to, um, more often than not, have ACL issues. I'll just put it that way. And so I cashed that in. I, I sort of flipped him as soon as I picked him up off the waivers. It worked out. So sort of that's sort of going off the beaten path. But moral of the story is that, yeah, when they, you look at somebody like Will Fuller who ended the season with a groin strain, right, so another muscular injury, mm-hmm. that's becoming a pattern. Um but in terms of like, give me a random player that I've never heard of and then give me a random fact about them. Like people usually do like, oh, yeah, he broke his finger when he was in middle school. Right. I would have no idea or no no information, no data, no reliable, um, you know, objective measure to tell you like, oh, yeah, he has this percentage chance of, of getting injured. That, right. that stuff just doesn't exist. OK, gotcha. All right, yeah, we're going to get into some of those players, too. We'll definitely you know talk about them. Um, the last thing I wanted to actually before we jump into some of our segments that we do here is um, as far as the fantasy industry goes. Right. Um, and I'm sure you look at this from again, from your you know, from your from your angle. Um, what, what do you think? Is there anything you feel like we could do better in terms of injuries and injured players and how we approach fantasy? Or do you feel like, you know, it's kind of touch and go? Yeah. So that's funny. You asked. That's a good question, man. I like that question. Um, it sort of goes back to what you were saying, like. I think it's so interesting when people who are not in this um, in the medical sort of profession or, right. uh, you know, medically related profession are so quick to give their hot takes. Right. I think people are too confident in what they think they know, sort of the Dunning Kruger effect. Mm-hmm. They're too confident in what they think they know about an injury, about a, play, a player's injury than they actually do. And they're just sort of going off of gut. And they're just like going off what they looked on, looked at on Google, when in reality, a lot of times it's a lot more complex. Um, so I have these conversations with people who might disagree with me, um, and, and they'll talk about like, well, I just think this and this and this. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I genuinely want to know, like, oh, what's your background? Like, I'm looking to learn from them, and they're like, I don't know, I just got a gut feeling. <laughs> so I think seeking out, right, seeking out. Um, people like me, it doesn't even have to be me. I don't care if you don't follow me. That's what well, that's totally on me. Maybe I'm not your style. Right. It's totally fine. If you don't rock with me, but if you go with somebody else, I don't know any of, there are a ton of them out there, right? The fantasy PT, Stefania Bell, all those people, um, you can follow them 
though they're not going to tell you much different than I would than I will we might differ in opinion but uh if you're like I said if you're like pushing pencils for a living but and you think that you have like this knowledge about an injury or a player's injury like I think you're in a little over your head right so you so you feel like the the, the better approach is just defer to who knows what, what you're really talking about basically you think too many people just are you know assuming or pretending or however they want to be um that they know this kind of stuff and you feel like it's better that if they just deferred it to people who actually did. And I mean, to be fair, there's not a ton though, right? Of people like you, I feel like there's not like, yeah, it's not yeah, overwhelming. That's, that's there's fair. not like an overwhelming amount, you know? So, yeah. yeah so more that's of you. Fair. I, and I, and, mm-hmm. There are, yeah, there, there are people too that I'll, to, to, this is, this isn't like a majority of people. A majority of people are really, really like cool about like, I get a ton of DM questions, man. Like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And those are the people that I'm, that I'm legitimately excited to get back to because they understand like their limitations. Like, especially I'm doing like stuff with the undroppables now. And I did some stuff with uh, some other groups like during the season. And I was never, I didn't, I don't do rankings, man. Like I consume rankings. That's something I consume. And I was never like, Oh, oh, you know, I think that player X is like, should be ranked five spots higher than player Y. Like that was in my domain. Like that's like that's that was out of my lane. Anytime that you know I got questions like that, I'd be like, "Whoa, yeah, like that's not something that I'm gonna answer. I'll I'll defer you to the person who actually puts in the time and the and the energy and, and the effort to to make those rankings." Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, yeah, I think that's a good answer. So stay in your lane, folks. Refer to these. Guys. Stay <laughs> that's in your right. lane. All right. So let, let's go ahead. I feel like I think that gives everyone some good context, some good background on you know the way you look at things, the way you approach things, and obviously you know your background and everything. Um. Let's go ahead and jump into some of these topics. We have trust issues up first. Uh, for those who are not familiar <laughs> yet, uh, I'm basically, or me or Josh, will throw out um, some statements here. And we'll just, you know, we'll talk with Edwin. We'll give some our feeling on whether we trust um, these statements or if we have trust issues with them. Uh, and we feel a little, you know, concerned about them. It could be players. It could just be situations. But because, you know, Edwin's on the show, we feel like we should go injury focused on these things. Um, so, Josh, you want to throw out the first one that, or, that we have here? Sure. So, so this isn't really physical therapy so much, but I bet you still have some insight. And so if I told you that a new helmet technology just completely solves CTE, would you trust that or would you have issues believing that? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe it at all. <laughs> and I can tell you, I wouldn't believe it at all because we know for a fact that helmets actually, <laughs> this is going to be crazy. I know this is going to shock a lot of people. Um, Helmets actually don't help in preventing concussions. Helmets pr- cause uh, or they uh, provide enough cushion and enough um, sort of protection against like bashing your skull open. Because if you look at rugby players, their incidence of concussion is vastly, vastly different than concussions compared to the NFL. I had a tweet and I, w- I should have found it, um, but it's a tweet that summarizes the differences in concussions between rugby players, NHL players, and NFL players. And NFL players is like through the roof. So yeah, I, I wouldn't believe that. I think that technology has improved, right? From like the leather, leatherhead days. But uh in terms of like it solved CTE, solved concussions, nah, I'm I'm not buying that. Is isn't part of it that a helmet can almost be more dangerous because you're reckless then? That's exactly right, man. There's a really good piece um, that I read from, a, it was like, wasn't even a medical person. I, and again, I wish I had, this was like back in September. So I couldn't even tell you who, 
um, who it was, but they basically talked about how the face mask, I know this is like sort of deeper, like beyond football type stuff, (laughs) but like when we watch them, when we watch these dudes on TV, like we almost dehumanize them. Mm -hmm. Like that's why it's so easy for like some people that you see on Twitter to like come after them and like say stupid stuff to them. Like you'll see people like dudes who missed games for like their, their kid's birth. People are like calling, like, like just being bad, like nasty people on Twitter to them. Yeah. And it's like, dude, what, like, like you never see their face. Right. So like, it's one of those things that it's like a psychological thing too, where, you know, the face mask, the helmet, like you can sort of dehumanize them, decompartmentalize them. But like at the end of the day, they're just humans. Yeah. For um, sure. But I found that tweet. I found that tweet that I had. So the concussion race by sports, um, according to the study I was looking at. So the, so this one, I thought it was a little weird. It might be just because of, uh, because of the way they tracked it, but the NCAA is three concussions per thousand exposures, NHL six per thousand, rugby is nine per thousand. Um, do you guys want to guess what the NFL is per one thousand? It's, it's exponentially more, right? Like <laughs> fifty, something like that. Uh, uh, not quite that high. Any other guesses? Thirty-five. Pretty close. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight concussions per one thousand. Rugby, which is like basically, right, basically, for all intents and purposes, the same game, is 9 in 1,000. And they also don't have an in, uh, a, like a, um, a history of, of recurring concussions. So, like, that's three times more concussions than, uh, than the rugby players, which is pretty astonishing to me. I was pretty shocked when I saw that. Yeah, it is crazy. And, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And it makes, you know, a lot of people pause as far as putting their kids in and all that kind of stuff. Um all right, the next one we have here is ACL surgeons develop a procedure with a six-month turnaround. I know you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier uh, with us, but how, how do you feel about that? Would you trust it or have trust issues? Well, it depends. Um, it, right, this is where, like, my nerd brain comes out. <laughs> uh, if six If you're saying, like, six months, uh, people are going to – these dudes are, or these ladies, whoever gets the ACL – uh, reconstruction are going to be like mid-season form, you know, um, jumping, cutting, running, starting, right? They're, they start at their position. They're productive. Six months is no, there's, there's no way we're, we're not there yet. But if you told me that at six months, you know, this, they're, they're at least like practicing, right? They're practicing at like 80% speed. That's, that's more than, that's more than normal. I mean, Cooper cups was fast, right? And Cooper cups was like eight months. Cooper Cups was Cooper Cups was like seven and a half months, and that was that's like super fast. So six months would be that'd be rough. <laughs> trying to, we're trying to push medical science too much here, man. We have to dial, we have to dial it back. I don't have a problem with trying to solve the problem, right? Because I totally get it. But the bottom line is like these, t- and I know this this isn't you guys. You're not saying this, but like tissue healing times are something we have to respect. Um, so we know that that they're tissue actually heals for an entire year, you know, even up to a year and a half in some cases for, for specific types of injuries, like depending on the injury, the type of tissue involved, um, how bad the injury was like things and like collagen and connective tissue and stuff like that stuff's still forming right. um, for like a year out. So um, there's no getting around that right until we're like half robots. <laughs> what about like, so you mentioned like the difference between like, you know, regular everyday human, you know, a la me, and then, you know, super freak athletes like these NFL guys. Um, is it, is the turnaround time like different for like, you know, for us regular people? Like, do we feel fine? Like, 
at a certain point or is that like also just depends on the person how much work they put in and stuff or uh yeah so since you're not gonna be cut in and all that kind of stuff you know what i mean yeah 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 so like some people actually walk around and i don't know how many how many people actually would realize this but if you are if you're doing stuff like i don't know even if you're like i'm trying to think of a, a physical like a physical profession even if you are you know like a low level i don't know can like a construction person but you're doing something that's like doesn't require a lot of left and right movement you can actually live without an acl oh, damn. so i worked with a phys <laughs> yeah my first rotation i worked with a physical therapy assistant who had some some something unrelated going on with his knee and uh he went and got an mri and his surgeon was like hey uh turns out your acl hasn't been connected for who knows how long at this point and he was like wow. oh really and he was like, ah. I was like hmm, hmm, how about that so it's kind of crazy. They know, but if but for off for uh, for like high elite level elite level geez, elite level performers, they're gonna know right away. Um, but the time frames are you always have to shave it off. Like every all, most of the research I look at, I try to make it NFL specific, but there's just not there's just not you know something for every single injury. Right. So you have to sort of default to what the general yeah like what the general population um, says and what the general research is on. And you almost always have to shave off. Like if it's a high ankle sprain, the, you know, the four to six week you hear all the time. Yeah. Really, really, really most of the time it's like three to four weeks. Okay. Like, yeah. Like you have to shave if, depending on the severity and everything. Right. So it's usually like three to four weeks. Um, like the four to six week, four to six weeks was in, uh, not, not elite level, uh, performers so yeah you definitely have to shave some time off like the six month thing with the acl that's like nuts that's like adrian peterson nuts right yeah, yeah. that's what adrian peterson did yeah that's crazy so are you saying that if you could, you could take your acl and not even know it like, yeah man depending on what your uh depending on what your profession is depending on uh, how bad the swelling is depending on how it happened like it's more than possible to just walk around without an acl like some people do it because um, you hear horror stories of people who are like, I had three ACL reconstructions, you know, two or three re ACL reconstructions. And I just said, you know, F it on the last one. Wow. My surgeon said, I, I didn't need it. Um, my knee looks fine. I did some physical therapy and I rehabbed as much as I could. And I'm just going to live with it, man. And some people, they, yeah, they decide to do that. That's so that would be, it would be damn near impossible. I mean, it would be impossible for, for any, any elite level athlete to do that. Yeah. It, it, it kind of reminds me because like, I've seen, like, I don't know if you watch like UFC or anything like that, but, um, there yeah, was, I, I keep up with it casually. Okay. So there was a, a fight for John Jones, you know, the best, basically best, best UFC fight there is. And, um, he fought a guy right. named Thiago Santos and he like mm -hmm. tore his acl in the fight but like he kept going though and i was like how is that possible like he just kept fighting he ended up tearing like everything <laughs> he ended up taking on the tearing like acl pcl everything because he kept going but i was like i didn't know that you could you know do that in a fight and just obviously he's on adrenaline and stuff but i was like yeah, i didn't know yeah. you could keep pushing you know with that and obviously he was compromised and everything but i was like Damn, i didn't know that was possible i was like man some people Dude, are just next yeah. level stuff <laughs> no like and that's the thing too like the human body is so 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 damn robust like the human body super strong in so many different ways and then like you have so if you think about it and then this is also sort of getting off on the rails again man you just get you guys get me started so uh <laughs> if you think about it like our bodies were literally created to run away from like fuck, can i say that sure, yeah, sure, sure. from like f and from like f and tigers right and like hunt this pretty big game like we slept in caves like those bodies had to be 
rough. Right. And like, that's where we came from. And so, um, then that adrenaline stuff, when that kicks in too, that's real. Like the sympathetic nervous system, which basically, um, it shunts all the blood to your muscles and it basically opens your eyes so you can see really, really well. And it, it causes your blood pressure to go up and, and it causes like your adrenaline to rise. Like that stuff's all real because that stuff's left over from when we had to run away from tigers. Wow. So when you get that, right, like you don't even, uh, you don't even know what's going on. Like you don't even know, you don't feel anything. You're just trying to survive. Um, so yeah. And the ACL is very, very, very specifically, um, protects in terms of like lateral movement. So like anytime, think about like a cut, like a jump cut, right? That's what the ACL protects from like collapsing in. So when you cut laterally, the ACL is sort of holding, helping to hold, um, those, the, the bottom sort of your leg, the top leg bone, the bottom leg bone together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of movement is where, where you would notice it. Interesting. It's crazy stuff. It's hard. It's hard not to sidetrack this conversation. You know what I mean? It's just hard. Sorry, um, man. All, Sorry. No, it's all good. It's hard not to, uh, you know, J- Josh lives off adrenaline hundred percent of the time, man. That's all Josh does. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, that's my life. Wide eye, blood pressure risen. Tea or something, man. Yeah, wide eye, blood pressure <laughs> high. He gets after it, man. Uh, what's the next one we got here, Josh? Trust issues. So, do you, would you allow? Let's just say your your kid is going to be be an NFL football player, and he's going to have a a healthy life. Do you trust that that could happen? Oh man, this is this question consistently breaks my heart. <laughs> I, I grew up playing football. Consistently breaks my heart. Um, if I'm talking with my brain, it's really hard to say that I would I would want that life for my kid uh, because of the risk, not because I know definitively that they would not live life after retirement. That's not what I'm saying. Because we don't know for a fact, right? Like you can't, like if you are any type of like data-driven, science-driven, you can't say you know anything for a fact. Um, but the probabilities are so high um, just in general for everything. I mean, there's a reason those dudes retire before they're 35. I think the average lifespan of, of like an NFL player is like what, two, three years or something? Yeah, like on average? Short, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a tough one. But if, talking with my heart, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, a tough call, man. It's even a tough call for people nowadays, like I said, with their kids and stuff. Like, you know, my oldest, he played high school football, but before that, he didn't play any. And I was like, I think high school might be safe to put him in at this point. Like, if he wants to play, he can play. Like, his body's pretty developed at this point. But, like, before that, it's just scary, man. It's like, mm, I don't Super know. Super scary, man. Definitely. You got, like, we got to take care of the kids. That's, ah, that's tough. That's a hard one. Yeah. I'm hoping that uh, if and when, you know, my wife and I have kids, I'm just going to distract them with every freaking sport imaginable. <laughs> And just like during football season, no TVs, and then just hopefully they don't notice. And then when they're like 27, like, oh, dad, I never played football. Like, what's going on? I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. We got busy. Let's just keep playing water polo like you like. <laughs> I played water polo in high school, dude. It was it was like torture. <laughs> it's the worst sport. Don't, you're not going to divert them with water polo. Just try anything else. <laughs> you played water polo? And they I had played water polo. polo. It was awful, man. Like, would you like to do cardio and also be drowned? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, trust me. I would not be good at it. I'm just shocked that they had it in, in Oklahoma. Oh, I, I went to school in California. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. I was going to say, don't be surprised. I told you this dude's our Tiger King, man. It's <laughs> wild in Oklahoma, baby. You didn't know there was Tigers there either. It just happens, you know? Yeah, true. Water polo and Tigers. Um, all right, let's move over to rank them. Uh, we will throw players out here. We kept this list very injury related again. 
Um, and we're going to kind of see more, more so, I guess I care more about what Edwin would do here than what I would do here. So I'm more going to just, you know, defer to him a lot of the, on a lot of these and just see where he, how he feels about them. But, um, I'll throw the first list out and then Josh, you can, you can hit the next one. Um, so the first one we have here is running backs, um, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Devonta Freeman, and James Connor. How would you rank those four? You could do, uh, the, your, your favorite one first and down, go backwards down, you know? Can you say those again? Yeah. David Johnson. Todd mm-hmm. Gurley, Devonta Freeman, and James Conner. Okay. I think I'm going to have to go. Well, hold on. Let me see. How old is Devonta Freeman's question? I'm Googling it. All right. Second. Yeah, I mean, 28. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, man. You're really putting me in a spot here that I never <laughs> thought I'd be in. <laughs> well, so, Conner is younger. Here, what's that? Connor is younger. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's that's where my job gets tricky, man. <laughs> so here's the deal, right? If I'm talking, who do I think, and then this is a pie in the sky, right? At this point, this is a pie in the sky. Who do I think has the best chance of finishing as the RB1, right? If that's the standard. Like, the standard is the RB1. I would have to hand that to Gurley, and then I'd have to hand it to Connor, then DJ, then Freeman. So that's my order. Interesting. And you you said you were totally off of Gurley before, and so oh, well, you still. Am, but you're giving me this brute, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am off Gurley. That's that's why I was like thrown off. That's a good question. <laughs> so what's your confidence in in Gurley just being an RB one? Zero percent. Zero percent. Okay. I so I draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a tough one, man. It's, so the thing with Gurley is like, there's a reason the Rams traded him. There's a reason the Falcons specifically sort of replaced Devonta Freeman. I mean, Gurley's burst is just gone. Um, you can tell that he's running differently psychologically, physically. It makes sense that he's sort of, uh, you know, past his prime. Physically, it makes sense because of all the stuff he's got going on. But yeah. It, in that offense, I think he can be productive. I think that he can, you know, put up a week or two, you know, a few weeks here and there. But yeah, his knee is just too, um, it's too worn at this point, for lack of a better phrase. Let me ask you this too, because I know the Steelers and obviously it's their guy. So they're just going to, you know, support him and be excited about him or whatever. But um, they, they came out, I believe, and said something about, you know, Connor's injuries were like acute and that, you know, that's something like kind of a silver lining for them. Do you agree with that or? Mm, I can't ever see how. An injury would be a silver lining, to be honest. Yeah. Um, simply because, yeah, so you're pretty spot on there. Simply because the dude has had issues that are very specific to a pattern that you have to recognize. You guys have probably caught on by now that I talk about patterns a lot. Yeah. So the pattern that, yeah, that James Conner follows is a connective tissue pattern. So there's the difference that we talked about, right? So you got contractile tissue, which is muscle, basically, right? And then everything else essentially is, is, uh, is connective tissue ligaments, tendons, um, even bone, all that stuff's connective tissue. And the first MCL sprain that he had uh, in his first, in his rookie season, that was pretty, it caused him to have surgery. That's connective tissue. That's a ligament. Then the next issue that he had was high ankle sprain. Well, the high ankle sprain, um, it's a sprain of the ligaments, the uh, sort of connective tissue that connect your two lower, lower leg bones. Um, The syndesmosis is what it's called he sprained that and that's connective tissue then he came and had another mcl sprain that's connective tissue uh then you saw last year he had the sc sprain so an sc sprain 
is is where you disrupt the guess what it is the ligament <laughs> in the AC joint. So I don't know. Like you could go off on a hundred different theories of why there are a lot of issues, a lot of um, sort of like disease processes that cause connective tissue to be weaker than general than like your than the average person. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's since he went through chemo that his cells changed and mutated, and then now his that. connective tissue is different. Yeah, I was gonna ask yeah, you. That, uh huh. Different in a not superhero kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like if he were to go about and live an everyday life, maybe he'd be fine. I'm not saying that's the case because that'd be super irresponsible for me to say. But it's totally plausible that one that's of those two things are both. I put him on that list because of chemo. Like just anecdotally, everybody I know that's been through chemo says your body's never the same. Yeah, and that's that. There's something to that, man. At some point, anecdotal evidence over years and years and years, and the, as the numbers pile up, that that becomes something. Right. That's that's different than just a single individual saying that. So there's something to that. So it, it could be that very easily. Yeah, it's a crazy. Yeah. Situation. Josh, do you have any feelings on this group at all or you want to just leave it to the expert? You know, since he did put us in. A I mean, I, no, I, <laughs> I agree with what he had to say. Like, I think it sounds to me like he's pretty much off of all of these guys. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think if, you, if so, everybody's got a price. Right. And I think that's the thing that I want to get across is that when I'm when I'm like off someone or you know on someone, usually it always boils down to like what the price is. Like last year, I was not gonna pay a freaking first or second or third rounder for Todd Gurley, but if he would have been there in the fourth or the fifth, I would have snatched him up. Right. This year, the same with James Conner. Like if Steelers, especially if the Steelers don't draft a running back, if it's James Conner sitting there in like the fourth, the fifth, you know, the sixth, I don't think he'll make it even that close to that far. Like I'm gonna snatch him up. Um, so it all comes down to price. And I think that's where like, I, I don't, I need to do a better job of clarifying that kind of stuff. Gotcha. No, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Um, you guys are hating on my boy DJ, but it's all right. He'll come around. I'm going to, I'm going to stay, yeah, fa- we'll, stay faithful. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay faithful. Josh, who's the next group that we have? Okay. So we've got the, we've got the tight ends next. Will Disley, Tyler Eifert, Jimmy Graham. Ooh. Will Disley, Tyler Eifert, Jimmy Graham, man. I mean, you guys I think, are really hitting me with that. <laughs> I think Jimmy Graham's going to have to like play week one, and I'm not even sure about the other two doing that. So, just by saying that, um, Jimmy Graham has been so bad for <laughs> like the like I feel like the last five years of Jimmy Graham have been like a shell of himself, and. Uh, so that's sort of that's sort of interesting to me that he was even still able to get get traded to Chicago for the price that he did. But uh, okay, so I have to I have to rank these guys: Jimmy Graham, Will Disley, Tyler Eifert. So I guess I'm gonna have to go. God, after I just sort of dogged on him, I'm gonna have to go Jimmy Graham <laughs> because <laughs> you guys are literally the worst. <laughs> Jimmy Don't Graham is. <laughs> So Jimmy Graham is probably the safest bet, and my brain always goes to the safest bet. And I think Jimmy Graham is the safest to like stay healthy and play games. It's not to, that's not to say he's going to be, you know, good, but he's the safest to 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 play games. And then the thing with Will Disley, uh, I'm glad you guys actually brought him up. Um, 
no, you know what? We'll get we'll get to him. The next I would say is Tyler Eifert, but not very far behind is is Will Disley last. So Will Disley tore his Achilles, and then like a couple years ago he tore. Or I might have I might have him flipped, but he tore his Achilles and then he tore his patellar tendon. So again, if you're looking at at patterns, those two things that he tore, like those two ruptures that he have, are are highly like almost oddly specific. Their tendons. So when the muscle starts to become a tendon, that's where it attaches to the bone. Mm-hmm. And he tore two very major tendons in the body. Like that's, it's going to be really hard for you to convince me otherwise or anybody to convince me otherwise that there's not something to that, sort of like the James Conner conversation. But I, I couldn't tell you what it is, but that's sort of how I view, um, how I view Will Disley. Like I don't trust him much at all. I don't trust his body, unfortunately, very much at all. It's interesting. Yeah, the two groups that we've given you so far, the two guys that you hit the, the hardest, you still put first. So, again, I know. That, that's how bad these groups are. I know. <laughs> I'm, such, I'm such a hypocrite. <laughs> no, it's, it's the fair. next group is more fantasy relevant. Yeah, the next group is better. So, <laughs> Let's see uh, this is Let's a wide receiver it. group. It starts with Will Fuller, Cooper Cup, two guys that we've kind of talked about a lot already. And then uh, the next two are Brandon Cooks and A.J. Green. Ooh. And, and just to preface, everyone knows listening, we did not give the doc here a chance to prepare for this show. So yeah, he yeah. is totally – we're, we're putting him on the spot here. So Brandon Cooks, I think, is a concussion issue. At least that's what I think it is. Mm-hmm. So and, you got – Go ahead. No, no, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I'm just vamping for you, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so and then Cooper Cup, you know – trailed off of the second half of the season coming off of an ACL. I don't know what's going on there. AJ green might be dust. <laughs> oh man. This is funny. Okay. All right. So we have fuller cup cooks and AJ green. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll start with cup. I think cup's good to go. The ACL uh, becomes fully mature around 12 to 15 months when it's a graft. So what they do, most most surgeons take from either the the patellar tendon or the or a hamstring tendon, and that's what they use. And they, and they, and essentially the body turns it into a ligament. I mean that's how badass the body is. First of all, like let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, the body turns a tendon into a ligament, and they so that's so that that ligament once it's uh, totally like in place and good to go, it's it's around 12 to 15 months. So I think in terms of the ACL and health, I think cups. By far, he's head and shoulders above the next person that I that I trust. And the next person that I I trust is another dude. Funny enough, uh, my very first podcast appearance ever with the fantasy free agents last year. I we talked about how uh, I didn't think AJ Green would be back by week eight, and I was confused as to why they hadn't put him on the uh, on the uh, the pup list. That's the preseason list, I think, the pup list. Um, and so I was off of him, trying to tell people don't be on him. But now he's my number two behind Cooper Cup. I think that he's got the most potential to move into the slot, especially to get Burrow, right? Like they got they got Tyler Boyd. They got Mixon. Maybe they finally realize they need to use Mixon. They got new offensive linemen, I think, into town. Like if they get Burrow, and I, I think that A.J. Green can still put up. We're, we're not going to see A.J. Green like 2015 A.J. Green. Like that's that's those days are over. But I think we can get like a productive, a productive like – Almost like a Julian Edelman light out of AJ Green this year. I was gonna um, say Larry, and I think he's healthy. Is, could he do the the old Larry Fitzgerald move to the slot thing? You think? 
You know, I, I never like to count these guys out, right? Because he's he's a super athlete, right? So he, but he also has a lot of issues. And he had a lot of issues before he had this massive ankle reconstruction last year. So he's got less of a chance of being like Larry Fitzgerald, who's basically an Ironman. Um, by the way, I, uh, I saw that uh, s- some random thing. You mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. I saw some random fact that he's played more seasons in the league than he has drops in his career. So that's just fun little fun yeah, fact for you. Um, <laughs> that's nuts. It's nuts. So anyway, AJ Green's major major ankle reconstruction. It's going to take a lot of like ankle dexterity, a lot of footwork, um, a lot of just staying healthy and management load management for him. But I think he's number two on the list. The next person on the list would be Brandon Cooks. He's had five documented concussions. That means he percent chance has more than five concussions in his life. And every time you get a concussion, you have, you're at risk for another. And every time you get one, you are your symptoms are worse. The issues are worse. So um, I just I'm not I honestly want to tie. I want to tie Cooks and Fuller because of <laughs> Fuller's history with with, uh, you know, those groin strains like the the not the groin strains, but the muscle strains and stuff. So those two dudes are. Yeah, they're a risk. They're definitely a risk. But if you if you had if, if I had to choose one, I'd say Fuller number three, Cooks number four, just because if we hear like Will Fuller had a massive change in his strength and conditioning regimen, like he added more weight training or he, you know, or he reduced the amount of weight training or something like if he had some massive over like change in his in his strength and conditioning plan. Uh, I, I I would be more willing to trust him. Yeah, not not to mention, I mean, with the concussion thing, like it's getting to a point where it's pretty scary for people, right? Like, I mean, if he got another one, you might not even have teams that want to play the guy, right? Like, no, hundred percent, man. Yeah. And that's the thing is, these dudes are like grown ass men, right? I mean, they are they're they're grown ass men. They make their own decisions, and there's a lot of money on the line for you know every all parties involved. And if they want to play, that's really difficult to say you should. Um, but I think once you get to the point where you're like Jordan Reed, like I think at some point protecting players from themselves should apply. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, yeah, if you like even if you're like if uh, we use construction workers again, if you're a construction worker and you've been doing the same job for, you know, years and years and then all of a sudden you have the exact same injury like two and three and four times and you're you're uh you know the company or whatever is sending you to, to physical therapy or having surgery and like they're spending money on this health care for you like at some point i think that they will change your position i don't they obviously don't have the right to like fire you but i'm pretty sure they have the right to like change your job title or like transfer you to something different like they have that right once they get to a certain point and i don't understand why the nfl doesn't have something in place of like teams that you know players who have x amount of concussions or whatever head injuries documented um you know they are not eligible to sign right that because that that would just make that's just better honestly i feel like the pr for that (laughs) for the nfl would be like the net would be positive like you'd get the people saying you can't tell people what to do but i think the net pr for that especially since they're pushing so much like oh we're we're player centered we're player safety centered we're doing all these initiatives like I think setting something like that would would make a lot of sense for them. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like you know when you know boxers, their 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 corner can throw in the towel. You know, when things get too crazy, right? Boxers exactly. Really quit. Exactly. Um, yeah, something like that. Even, even you know, um, even if a team like I've seen like I don't I forget the total um, story on it, but like the New York Mets had a you know one of their best players ever in their history was David Wright, 
Um, and David Wright had like major back issues and like he couldn't play anymore. He was trying and like just wasn't working. And now he like works for the organization and like does something and you know and like helping the team manage it or whatever. But like even if you could take a guy and say, hey, listen, man, it's time to step away. This isn't working out. This isn't good for your future. But like we'll we'll give you something to do. Like you know you're not gonna have to leave the sport you love or whatever. But like man, you gotta step the hell away. Like come on, dude. Like. We've seen, yeah, you know, especially yeah. with concussions, like, yep. come on, man, we've seen it go left for you know, just even mental, you know, mental issues and everything. It's like, oh man, who, who wants to go through that? You know, it's crazy to yeah. think that your family would even exactly. let you do stuff like that. Yeah, and that's 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 where it gets tricky, right? Because you're like, uh, even the best, like I can tell, you know, I can I can recommend to patients to do what I think might help them the most, right? And to a certain extent, they're agreeing, like my my expertise and any physical therapist or doctor's expertise is like why they're there but like even even a so unless a person is uh, unless a person is shows shows signs of 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 you know harming or you know you know or they express that they want to harm themselves or right. they want to harm another person or they want to cause some sort of crime right like unless it's the, those very specific circumstances like people can just sign a, an AMA and against medical advice and you can leave a hospital, for example, like as long as you're not um, like you were saying, sort of like it's not like mental health issues or one of those things that I just mentioned, like people don't have to do what their what their physicians, what their doctors, what their providers say. So that would be the argument that I think other people would bring up is like, well, you can't tell these dudes what to do. Right. Yeah. But um, I mean, I'm not the, I'm not on that side. I just I, I see that side. Right. Yeah, I had a you know ba- not not to bash cooks, but I have to make the make him look the worst because my boy Fuller is taking a beating here today on this episode, so you know, <laughs> had to had to make somebody else look worse. Um, what's the last group yeah, we have yeah. here, uh, Josh, for Franklin's? Just running quarterbacks versus like the pocket passer. Oh, you hit me right in the gut with this one. Sorry, finish the question. I didn't even let you finish. <laughs> Yeah, no, just ranking those. So, like, if you had to rank pocket quarterbacks versus running quarterbacks, which one do you typically go towards? And, of course, you know, these are highly debated, but, you know, with your expertise, we're kind of, you know, just, you know, curious what your angle would be. Yeah, running quarterbacks 100%, man. Like, I draft, like, I I pick and choose my spots where I feel like I'm what I think, right? I think what I think is risky is, like, you know, I think, like, some people would laugh at it. But, like, I try to be calculated – and that's one of the, like I don't think it's risky to draft a, a running quarterback as a thing, right? So that's what I'm trying to say is like I'm a really, really conservative person in terms of making decisions with my fantasy teams, and like I would draft a I draft a Konami code quarterback like every single time, and then I'll get like a safe option like I you know what I was about to say it's funny I, I was about to say Kirk Cousins, but even Kirk Cousins kind of runs sometimes, right? Yeah. He can move a little, um, but like I'll choose I'll choose like a, you know. A, a Russell Wilson, like I'll take a higher draft pick on Russell Wilson before I have to take somebody like I don't know, like Eli Manning last year or something. <laughs> like I'm always gonna take the dude who can run. The reason for that is because there's a study done by Yahoo, and Yahoo basically showed that. And this is like, this is not super super formal and official, but they did look at a pretty big sample size and they saw that running quarterbacks are hurt once every 93 plays. And stationary quarterbacks or quarterbacks who aren't considered scramblers, they're hurt once every 92 plays, right? So what's the difference? Um, and then in terms of like, in terms of uh, carries, in terms of uh, uh, designed runs, quarterbacks are injured once every 236 plays total, right? No quarterbacks running the ball 230, not even Mark Jackson's running the ball that many times a year, mm-hmm. uh, that many times per season. So like with all that data, 
knowing that and then knowing that your upside is literally Lamar Jackson, right? Like Lamar Jackson is the standard for what it means to be a running quarterback. Like he is quite literally a quarterback plus a like half of a running back when you when you start him in your in your um, quarterback spots right. or in your super flex league. That's dude. That's the upsides, and I have no problem taking on that. Like the if it's one to ninety two versus one to ninety three, every single day I'll take the run quarterback because of that upside. Yeah, that, that is an interesting t- statistic, and I also wonder. I mean, I always, I always go sometimes too far left, but I always wonder like if there's any plausible, you know, you know, argument to have be had with like you know running quarterbacks. You know, they're running and they're taking the risk, and like they know they're like bracing for what's about to happen. But like a standing quarterback who's not moving around isn't sometimes seeing the hit come in, isn't expecting to get hit. His his mind is kind of like you know these guys are protecting me. I'm not going to get hit. But like, so I always wonder like if there's something there where like when you, because you're not bracing for it or thinking about it that like you get more injured than some guy who's like running full speed at you like he knows it's coming. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, that's a that's a pretty good question, man. That's not a bad question. So there there's something to that in terms of what type of injury you might sustain. Uh, so like if you know something's coming, it doesn't necessarily like protect you, right? But at the same time, when it's something like you're more prone to flukes. Like when people were dogging on Carson Wentz uh, in that playoff game against Seattle this year, like they were dogging Carson Wentz for running. The dude was literally like pretty much down. I have no affiliation to Philadelphia or Seattle. I mean, okay, I'm a Seattle fan. I was going to say I don't, but I, I'm a Seattle <laughs> fan. Um, but okay, so that's even better, right? So like I'm I'm a Seattle fan and I was like, that was a, that was a bad play. Like the dude took him out. He hit him in the back of the head when he was sliding. Like that, there was literally no reason for that play. Right. And then he got a concussion. So those are the types of plays that those are the things you risk because quarterbacks, and this is a little more anecdotal, like quarterbacks just, they do have like a red X on their back, right? Like everybody wants to take out the quarterback. So I think in terms of like fluke sort of injuries that wouldn't happen in the pocket, I think that's that runners like running quarterbacks do take a certain, uh, you know, sort of a certain higher risk in terms of that. But I don't think it's quant. And even if we could quantify it, I don't think we can, but even if it's quantifiable, I still don't think that it would outweigh the, the the benefit yeah yeah and without any educational background like you have i agree <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys are more than willing to chime in i didn't mean to sound like no high no, and no. mighty earlier because no. i love hearing other people's perspective because that helps me sharpen sort of this the 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 stuff that i put out like the content that i put out um man the stuff that i put out like in my, like my first season like in august um, of last year like that first month is totally different than what i do now just because I sort of consume all, like what you guys think. Right. And so I, I try to go that direction. So it's still important. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I mean, me and Josh both will lean towards running quarterbacks as well. And we have, like I said, <laughs> no, no, not from a medical standpoint. We just like what they, what their upside is. Um, all right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So let's move over to, uh, we, we have a little segment here where we're just going to have you pick one um, out of, you know, each group in there's just a group. You're just going to pick one person or position or situation out of those um, as the best chance of future health. Um, so it's gonna be some players, some situations and some injuries that you're just gonna pick one of that you feel has the best chance of future health. Um, Josh, you can start off with this one. Okay. So would you rather have a college running back with a ton of carries, but no, uh, injury history, college wide receiver with soft tissue injury or a quarterback with back problems? You can only pick one for best chance of future health. Uh, 
And so is this like one of those things where you guys have these names, but you're not telling me the names? <laughs> I don't have any names. I, mean, I could come up with names. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. No, I didn't know if it was like, I just didn't know if you were like, had these names. And oh, no, there's no right or said. wrong. There's no right or wrong. Okay. Yes. So that's a good question. Who would I take first? Um, just who would be your, so, if, you, if, you, I mean, if you can only pick I, one. I think it's got to be college running back with a bunch of carries. Like I, I, I have heard, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that like just that, enduring that workload early on in your life can actually build you know like a more robust frame and and i buy into that i don't think that college running back should be docked for having a lot of college volume yeah i i i think i agree with you i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with you on that one i'm gonna go with college running back and the reason for that is if they don't have any and this is all dependent god it all depends i hate saying that but it really does depend like (laughs) You know, maybe they do have like a past injury or maybe they do have like a condition that maybe, quote unquote, hasn't caught up to them. We just don't know. But like if you're just blind, you know, like a blanket statement, I would I'd have to go to college running back without injuries. They uh, I think there's a big misconception in terms of what mileage means. Mileage, like you were saying, it actually can be beneficial. Uh, There's a study. So these are these studies done on like especially for for non-contact injuries. So like hamstring strains, right? Uh, maybe ankle sprains, stuff like that. Those injuries are are more um, they're they're less likely to occur in people who maintain a consistent workload. So by workload, you mean basically like snaps, right? Practice practice snaps, um, game snaps, game carries, practice carries. Like if you stay at this level, that's like within this window that doesn't spike too high. Like you don't have a random game where you're, you know, touch the ball 30 times. And then, you know, you don't go three games without touching the ball at all. If you can maintain somewhere in the middle between those things, you're there. The research does actually show that you're, you're uh, more durable. And so, especially if they don't have like an ACL like issue or concussion issues, I would be more willing to bet that that college running back, as long as they're uh, at least, you know, I think it's 22 years old and at least 208 pounds and at least five foot eight. They have the best chance of staying healthy. Yeah. I wonder if you can kind of like on a, on a more like basic person, you know, situation to relate it to, I guess you could just look at it as like if someone, you know, went out for a run every day, right. Or lifted weights every day, they're probably less likely to get injured than the person who's just picking it up cold. Right. Or like doing it every couple of days. Yeah, or whatever. That's a, dude, that's the perfect. Yep. That's the perfect example. Like you're not going to, and it goes with like it even goes to like levels, right? So like even if you are, let's say you're a five k racer, like you're not gonna all of a sudden jump up and say you're gonna run a marathon twenty six miles. Like you're not gonna do that in the first day, right? Um, you're gonna have to work up to it. Like you might be in better shape and a better position than somebody else who's like a couch potato, but like your chances of of getting injured during that time, especially if you just go you know balls to the wall, like is much higher. Uh, and the same thing goes like even if you run marathons. And you're on a consistent work, you know, uh, workload regimen for like six months. And then all of a sudden you take an entire month where you don't run like, yeah, you're even going to be susceptible to injury when you come back. It's a great example. Makes sense. Makes sense. We got a little runner here, Josh. Don't be doing those marathons, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I did have problems. The physical therapist was so much more helpful than like the, um, primary care doctor, you know, the primary care doctor wants to like, take an x-ray and the physical therapist was actually moving things and like had a, a working theory. Yeah. 
Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad you had a good experience though, man. There's, and that's not to dog on physicians. Um, they're sort of trained to do general stuff. Right. But like our entire life, like our whole livelihood is what are your muscles, joints, bones, ligaments, brain health movement? What does it look like? Like that's, that's everything we learn. Whereas physicians have to learn like sort of a little bit of everything, which is tough. I mean, I don't have to worry about like with what I do, like the GI system or whatever. Like I don't have to worry about like, what's the heart doing to a certain extent, right? A little bit. Um, I can just focus. I just live in a specialty area, which is super nice. Yeah. I know. Doesn't your area get like kind of like questioned by people too? Like, like don't some people yeah. question like the legitimacy? It like it's not legit. Like, yes. Yeah, so, so it depends. Honestly, dude, I, I, I'm happy with where we're moving. Yeah. <laughs> Chiropractors, man, the chiros are, the chiros get it really bad. One of my, one of my uh, good Twitter buddies, uh, his name's, uh, uh, Risher, Dr. Risher on Twitter. I think it's that Dr. Risher, uh, Michael Risher. He, he's a Cairo and he like said something to Matt Kelly once and Matt Kelly was like, chiropractors aren't real doctors or something like that, which is sort of, that's kind of crap. Like that's a crappy thing to say, first of all, but, uh, it, that's yeah. Chiropractors get it, get it pretty bad. I think the respect for PTs, um, is, is going up. And the weird thing is that PTs in like Europe and other countries are, are, just as respected as as physicians. So in terms of that, yeah, we're not we're definitely not there. Yeah, give some respect to these guys, man. Give some damn respect. All right, <laughs> uh, the next group we have here again. You're just picking one guy, best chance of future health: Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, James Conner. Just one guy, best future health chance. Okay, um, let's see. James, sorry, I sort of no, missed cool. that. James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Uh, I would say Leonard Fournette's first. All right, so it's Dalvin Cook second, so James Conner third. Okay, so Fournette. So is it the the shoulder for Cook? What's it's it's everything for Cook, man. Um, he has had a shoulder dislocation. He's had four different shoulder dislocations since high school. This last one, he didn't get repaired that we know of. So that's a, there's a 40 to 55% chance it re-dislocates again. The, uh, the other shoulder that he has, has operated on, there's still a 13 to 26% chance that that re-dislocates. Uh, his ACL, even though it, it, he is on the mend and he's to the point where it was like sort of like Cooper Cup, like the 12 to 15 month mark is when the graft is fully intact. But there's still about a 20% recurrence rate of another ACL tear for NFL players who tear their ACL. Um, and then the connective tissue stuff. So like he had the, he had the SC, the sternoclavicular where your clavicle meets your chest, that, that joint, he had that issue with the connective tissue where it sort of, I don't know if it dislocated or what it did, but it definitely shifted in that place, which is super painful. And all of those injuries. So the labrum, which is cartilage, the, the ACL, which is a ligament, the, the S, the SC joint stuff, which is like a capsule. So like ligament type sort of connective tissue and then the, uh, and, and then wait, I think I covered it all. So all those injuries <laughs> are just like, just like James Conner. Those are all connective tissue injuries. And then when you add those up, right, you, you can't, you can't quantify it. Like, it's not like I can say, Oh, there's a, you know, 75% chance, blah, blah, blah. But what you can say is like anecdotally or not anecdotally, like data driven, you can say, okay, if there's, if there are players who are at risk, like Dalvin Cook definitely meets that criteria. Like you can't look at Dalvin Cook and say there's not risk, right? But with each added injury and situation, considering we have data on it, like you have to look at that and you have to view it as like a quantifiable risk. 
Yeah, and see, here's the there's an upside to Edwin, and there's a downside. And here's the downside. When you talk to Edwin, you also turn around and try to trade your players immediately because you're like, okay, I guess I'm crazy to hold this guy at this point. So I love Dalvin Cook. I own Dalvin Cook in teams. And like after you hear this stuff, you're like, okay, I have to go make trade offers as soon as I'm done talking to Edwin. Because it's like, you scare people, man. You scare people. Even this guy is so good. And you're like, I don't know, man. It's probably not worth trying. No, that's, that's, that's funny you say that. I mean, I'm trying. I try to be level-headed, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it depends what you get back. It depends what the price is like always. Yeah, man. You hear all that stuff and you're like, yeah, it's not going to happen. He's not going to finish a season. I should definitely get out from under this guy at this point. Hey, if you got Alexander Madison, you're good. You're good, man. I got Mike Boone. I don't got Madison. So, you know, maybe I should just go try to get Madison. (laughs) Maybe so. Still scary. All right. The, uh, last one we have on here to pick one best chance of future health ACL tear. Uh, PCL slash MCL. What's the other one you got here? Oh, Achilles. Achilles Achilles tear. So pick one for the best chance of future health. Just only one that you feel. If someone gets it, you're like, all right, I I feel this is not going to ruin this guy's life. Uh, You said ACL, PCL, and then uh, Achilles. One's an ACL, one's an Achilles, and one's PCL, MCL. If MCL is even a thing, I'm not sure. Yeah, MCL. Yeah. No, MCL gets torn very, very frequently with the ACL. Uh, I'm going to have to go the isolated ACL. Okay. Uh, the Achilles is in no longer death sentence uh, necessarily. It's not. But it does still sort of carry some suspicion like in NBA players, which um, I know it isn't the NFL, but they uh, they did a study that was pretty recent, like 2018. And uh, Achilles tears were like significantly – significantly impactful in a negative way to to players careers and so even though you do see players starting to come back because the procedures have changed and and the the, like the rehab research has gotten way better for tendons it's still not to the point where acl injuries are and if i if it's just sort of like a freak acl like keenan allen again is a perfect example um you know that i'm I'm totally fine with it at this point you can even probably say cooper cups was sort of sort of a freak accident he didn't really have anything leading up to that if it's that kind of ACL, yeah, I'll probably take that nine times out of ten. Yeah, it's funny you say ACL, man. People probably would think that's the worst, you know, just off of, again, common people's, you know, thought of their, you know, medical knowledge. That's where people would think is the worst thing. Um, so it's funny. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so before we jump down to foul or no foul, which is kind of our last segment that we do here besides closing out the show, um, I had two, like, random questions that I thought of while you were talking and stuff. Um, the okay. first one is when it comes to all these injuries, right, that four players get as regular people get, um, is there really any more room for like dramatic improvement to how these things play out besides like, like you said, like being half freaking robot just at some point, like, is there any really any more room for like advancement in medical science or like, is it kind of at its peak as far as like recovery time and all these kind of things? And it's just a matter of whether we turn you into like a robot at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question, man. Uh, that's a tough one. And that's, that's a, like a big global question. Yeah. I think with where technology is now and where rehab science is and where um, the medicine is, I think there's plenty of room to grow, okay. but it's sort of like a glass ceiling because there's always a missing link to recovery. Like why do people have setbacks when they tear their ACL, right? Like what is it that makes 
uh, a person be able to, you know, what makes Adrian Peterson able to come back and play football in like six and a half months? Um, what is different about him than about the rest of the general population? Like there are just so many missing links to say like, yeah, we're going to go that direction. Um, but I, I think that where we are now is like light years ahead of where we were even 15 years ago. Right. So, you know, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I think we peaked because, you know, just because it's, you know, sort of like recency bias, but I'd say we're in a pretty damn good spot, especially with ACLs, because like you were saying, like they're so common, but that, that also, which is unfortunate, but that also means there's a ton of research and people trying to solve those complex problems. So I think that the more we can sort of narrow down how to like what is actually the missing link in people's rehab specific injuries, I think the better, you know, it can get. But how good it can get, I can't answer that question. Gotcha. Man, you, you got some you got some bomb bomb questions here. <laughs> yeah, I just guys just kinda of storm up there, man. I don't know why. Um the other one that I have, and I guess this this may lead more to like a chiropractor question, but I'm just kind of curious, like with with you know, you said not that you guys are similar, but that there's you know, you guys are both like rising fields in just respect levels and everything too. But um for some for stuff like um i don't know if you've ever seen like guys like hitting people with hammers and stuff like that um and, 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 and so you got like the hammer guys you got guys who do all the cupping and stuff like where, where do you yeah. fall with all this kind of stuff do you say to yourself like since you're in that field and you know a lot do you feel like you know i have respect for my colleagues who are doing things like this and maybe there's something there or like you know how does someone like you look at those kind of things because like, you see a lot of athletes and stuff going to these guys like there's one on, on Instagram. I actually follow him, Dr. Bo Hightower. He's like, a, you know, big in the UFC and some mixed martial arts. They, a lot of guys go to him. He's like, hit me with hammers and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know enough to be smart enough to doubt this guy. Like, I mean, everyone's going to him. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell? So it's like, is yeah. there a lot of woo in the medical field, do you feel like? Or do you feel like there's a lot of legitimate stuff here, but it's just kind of people still look at him funny? There's a lot of both. Right. And like usual, like I've been saying, sort of the whole episode, but I, I'm somewhere in the middle. So that stuff is not going to solve your problems, right? Like chiseling people. Yeah. Like that's, that's not going to solve anybody's problem. And like popping their necks Cuffs out and all that kind solve. of stuff. Yes. So like, uh, like spinal manipulation is what it's called. It's good for like, you know, we patients who need it, mm -hmm. but it's like a pretty small subgroup of patients who need it. Um, like all that stuff, like the, the ultrasounds and like the, like I said, the cupping and like all the, the dry needling, like all that stuff, guys, what it does from the more that we learn about it is it you put something right you give your body a stimulus right your brain has no choice but to make some sort of decision like oh okay i have input what am i going to do with it all right well they're there it's coming from this spot okay right. now let's send just more signals that sort of releases this little piece of movement that you need okay cool then the brain sends in a, a message back down to where you're whatever you're chiseling or you're needling or you're cupping or whatever you're doing and it, yeah, it temporarily helps give you more motion. But if you don't automatically jump into movement that's loaded, that's specific, that's um, what you need, like functional stuff, it's not going to stick. Gotcha. So all that stuff, guys, it's also the, like the political side of it is the other side. Like you tell, <laughs> like I could, if I was the physical therapist for Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady, the New England Patriots and Tom Brady and, uh, Tom Brady came to Bill Belichick and said, I need the massive hammer and a chisel and I need that done on my shoulder every day. And Bill Belichick comes up to me and says, you need to get the hammer and chisel and chisel his shoulder every day. And uh, what am I going to say? 
Right. Uh, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm like, no, well, you're you're effing fired, and we're going to bring somebody else in who will do that. So those are the things that you're really looking at. Right. It's, so it's the answer is somewhere in the middle. Some that stuff is a lot of it is really gimmicky, and it's not just to Kairos. It's not just PTs. Like it's not just osteopaths. Like there there are a ton of different professions that are sort of uh, sort of lean heavy into that stuff, which. Yeah it's t- it's questionable it's yeah. questionable and I, and I guess we know we're talking about typically i mean i mean i guess regular people are doing them too but you know a lot of times we are talking about these elite athletes and they're always looking for an edge right or a recovery edge or whatever so i mean there may even be something in just the mental side of it right like you're doing something and you, and you think you're doing something good and you think you're feeling better and like it does play some kind of part you know like some yes, effect 100 percent. yeah so there's you got it there. man yeah, something there. All right, cool. Um, I think Josh, do you have any like other particular questions with any other players, any other injury things before we just jump out to fall, foul or no foul and stuff? Neil, let me tell you, dude. If you ever go to a physical therapist and they tell you that they're gonna scrape your leg, like your um, <laughs> your IT band, you run. You run That's away. Tough. That's a tough one. That is like, a tough one. <laughs> it's awful. There's a, like a metal claw. Yeah. yeah. Physical therapy is like one, one of those things where like they hurt you to make you better, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. There's a little bit to that. Yeah, there's a little bit to that. <laughs> cool. All right. So no foot scraping, I guess. That sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds easy enough to remember. All right. Um let's jump over to foul or no foul. I just have three of these today. Uh again, foul or no foul is our, our world famous segment. I'm gonna throw three statements at you guys. Yeah. Everyone can answer these, everyone can jump in on these. Um, I don't even think there's any medical stuff on this one. So um, I just got three statements for you guys. If you agree with it, there's no foul. If you totally don't agree with it, it's fishy to you, throw a foul on the play. Um, so the first one is there is plenty of room for both Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay to flourish in fantasy football in Denver. Foul or no foul, Edwin, you can start. There's a foul there, man. That's a foul. I think that uh... – Melvin Gordon is like Philip Lindsay's a good story and it's super cool, right? Like just a chip on my shoulder. I'm going to get in a fight with the defensive lineman two years ago. Like I don't give an F I'm going to try to run you over, like play fast, hard, whatever the whole deal. Like that's a good story. Melvin Gordon's got the pedigree, man. And as, as much as we want to dog on him, you know, he's had his injuries, but he's just more talented. Um, I think that if, if I'm, I'm answering the question from the perspective of like, I think Philip Lindsay will still have his like he'll have his flashes, but Melvin Gordon's still 26, and uh, I think that he's a he's just he's so talented that he's they're just gonna not be able to pull him if that makes sense. Right. No. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we all like to act like Melvin Gordon's 35, so uh, it, is, right. it is like this. It is like yeah. this mentality we have you about it. How young he is. Yeah. I mean, I was Team Eckler all year last year, and I always said Eckler over Melvin Gordon. So I'm gonna have to stay my 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 stay my course here. Philip Lindsay over Melvin Gordon. Why would I change, guys? Um, I'm a big Lindsay <laughs> fan too, so I'm going to, I'm going to stick with foul, but I'm going to say Philip Lindsay is our surprise higher performer in fantasy. Um, Josh, be the tiebreaker here, man. Where are you going to go? I, you know, I think Austin Eckler is a better player than Philip Lindsay. Right. I think he can just do it more in the passing game. And, but like, I, if you are holding Philip Lindsay, he still has ceiling. You know, maybe Melvin Gordon doesn't make it through a season. Maybe this split doesn't look the way we think it's going to. I would not be. I think Philip Lindsay's a hold. Yeah, I, I agree. We have uh, what's his name, uh, Beryl Beryl Joffrey, as we call his name is on the chat. But um, he's, he's talking about he's trying to trade Philip Lindsay, and he said he offered him for like Haskins, and the person was like, no. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like this is nuts. So I guess this is time to buy Philip Lindsay if you have any belief in him at all. 
um, because it seems like people think he's finished. I guess I don't know. It's one of those. Yeah, I, I like that answer by Josh. I think that's a good answer. Yeah, I, I'm not selling Philip Lindsay per se, but uh, I'm also not gonna like bank on it. I'm not gonna bank that he's gonna be Austin Eckler last right. year. Yeah, I, I think a lot of stuff. I like. I think Austin Eckler's obviously he's talented. I'm not saying he's not, but a lot of things had to sort of align in a very specific way for him to be successful last year. Eckler, you said. Yeah, Eckler. Okay. You don't think he repeats? I think it? a lot of a lot of things had to had to align for him to be successful. Is what I was saying. Right. Like Philip Rivers having no protection. Philip Rivers having no more arm. Right. Uh, you know, Hunter Henry being out the first however many weeks uh, of the season. Uh, them just having literally no offense, like Melvin Gordon holding out. Like, I think all those things contributed to his, like to his overall uh, sort of stats, if that makes sense. Like yeah. his cumulative stats. Yeah, for sure. And, and nobody get me twisted. I'm not saying Philip Lindsay is going to become the, you know, the receiving back to Eckler was, I was just, you know, comparing the two um, against Melvin Gordon. All right. Um, the next one here, the NFL's TV virtual draft is going to flop. Foul or no foul. Josh, hey, I think it's going to uh, be good, man. I, calling it a flop is a foul. Okay. I think that we will be just fine with the TV virtual draft. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, how many people actually even go to the draft, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you really care. I don't think anybody really cares. Like, is it in Vegas? Is it in whatever, Los Angeles? I think that matters for, like, the city's economy or whatever. Right. And like maybe the NFL makes a little more money if it's like of an event like that. But like the rest of us, right? Like all of us, like average dudes, we're gonna watch it anyway. Right. What do you think they're gonna do? Just put like cameras in all the players' house? I mean, they're obviously not gonna walk up to nothing or you know wear the jersey or stand next to the commissioner and all these things, right? So I mean, like, what are we gonna get? Like, how's this gonna play out? <laughs> I sort of picture it. Watch parties like at every player's house. That would be awesome. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I I pictured in my head like when college dudes sign, you know, like when college players sign to, they're just like sitting at a table with like a hat. Right. But right. I, I, what I honestly hope they do is like WWE style where they're just like play out the, all the drama, even though there's no crowd. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we don't know how they're going to approach it, I guess, but there, there's a, you know, a few different ways. And obviously, you know, who knows what our country's dealing with at the time. We'll see, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I guess it was the first time for everything. So um, yeah, I agree with you guys. It, you know, we're such fans of it. It shouldn't be an issue. Um, the last one I have here is, um, you should, and this is particular for Josh, um, you should receive a week without pay at work. If you respond by to an email by hitting reply, all foul or foul or no foul. Oh my gosh. These people that I work with, they, they love it. They love the reply all button <laughs> and it, it bothers me a lot, but like, there's nothing you can do about it. You just, you just What's have the to- average age of the person you work with and the people you work with. These are these are these are fifty year old women. They're elementary. I'm not, I'm, say, I'm not gonna say anything at all. I'm just saying. Like you just eat the reply alls. You just eat them all day long. <laughs> it will never end. Just eat them. It got to the point where Josh was complaining earlier in a group chat. He was like, I just I'm looking over this email, I'm trying to find out what I'm responding to, and the person just wrote thank you, and it was really just a reply all email. He was so upset. I mean, those are pretty frustrating. So we're no go on them. We're no go on the reply alls. That's fair, guys. No go, man. That's fair. All right. So let's go ahead. We're going to head to our closing, which we always close out a show with our show and tell. Um, you can tell, brag, tell these people to buy whatever you want. Any product, podcast, music, books, philosophy, just some advice, you know, if you want to go that route. Um, I'll start it off. 
um, there's actually two stand-up comedians right now on uh, Netflix that you got to go see their specials. It's Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer. Josh may even have a third one that he feels better about, but I don't know. Tom Segura is hilarious. Yeah, those two are awesome. Um, two hilarious comedians, great podcasters, actually, if you guys don't have their podcast. They're actually friends. They have a podcast together. Um, so, yeah, they both drop comedy specials. You're quarantined. You might as well watch them. Go do it. It's super funny. Um, Josh, you have anything today? Yeah, John Bosch is doing these uh, these best ball auctions right now for mm-hmm. Fantasy Cares. So he's it, it's benefiting uh, kids who need food away from school, basically. But for ten bucks, you get to do a best ball auction in an interesting format, interesting scoring, and you know it's also supporting a good cause. So I think everybody who's sitting at home bored and is also listening to this podcast should get in one of those auctions with John Bosch. Yeah. He does an awesome job helping out over there with that fancy care stuff. So um, he always has some new interest and wrinkle going on and things. So uh, yeah, definitely, man. Like I said, we're quarantined, man. These, these recommendations better be getting acted on. Um, we tried to give you some time again, you know, unprepared. Do you have anything to show and tell? It's totally up to you. Anything you got? Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to keep it lighthearted. But I got to say, it's my responsibility to say something like this. You, even if you feel like you're not making a difference, anybody who's listening, you're making a difference by staying home. You're making a difference by only going to the grocery store when absolutely necessary. I mean, you can still go out on your front porch and like get fresh air and stuff. Um, but you're making a difference with all stuff going on right now. So that's 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 going to be my show and tell. I know that's a bland one. Nah, I know it's not fun. It's not entertainment. But you're making a difference. And uh, th- maybe somebody need to hear that but you're definitely helping by staying home for sure. I just got kicked off of a a park by police officers because I tried to play baseball with my kids. So yeah, don't go get arrested at the park. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's stuff too. And it's definitely a sacrifice. I I know it's a sacrifice. That's why I'm saying it. Cause it's, it's not easy by any means. What's funny is I couldn't even be mad. I was like, you know, I tried it, but like, dude, even like, the cop spoke through like his car, like, you know, the speaker on the car or whatever. And like, he sounded like so bummed out when he said it, he was like, you guys got to go home. The park is closed. I'm sorry. Like, he yeah, sounded like he so wants, depressed yeah, about he it. He wants to ruin that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. He sounded so depressed it's about like, it. like, damn. So, yeah, it's one of those things. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm with you, man. I've been trying to stay in as much as possible. I don't let my kids go nowhere, just outside, out front right here. But, yeah, man, it's tough. And, you know, like, you know, you watch the TV, you watch the news. We say data is important. They say it's about to get crazy in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, yeah. we'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you follow Dad and Wonder Realm in your life. You got to follow the other. <laughs> exactly. So, hopefully, everyone who's listening <laughs> is, you know, not Corona positive. If you are, we hope you're feeling better or doing the right things. Um, but other than that, that's all I got. Edwin, let me I'm the worst for taking it there. I'm sorry. No, no. Hey, hey, we need it, man. We need it. You're, you you took it to the depressing place. You're the first person to ever say F bombs on here without actually saying the word. Oh, so God, you're doing special sorry. stuff here, man. You're leaving an impact. <laughs> Leaving an impact. Oh man, you're never gonna. You guys are never gonna ask me on again. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the first person to cuss. That's not what he meant. No, no, not cursing. You're like the one saying, not saying the word. You're like, you know, the f bomb. Like you're not actually saying it. Like you. This is oh, the first fuck. episode we can do. Great. This is the first episode I can put the not safe for work. I can actually check in and say it's safe for work. Um, because you made it safe. Fuck. You made. Oh, oh damn oh, it! Oh. Said again. Now, now we're not fuck. safe. Thanks. Ah. You ruined it. I'll say safe for work <laughs> except the last thirty seconds. Safe for work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, let them know, Edwin, where they can find you, man. Social media, all your content that you're doing, plug the sites, plug everything. Just find me on Twitter at FF Student Doc, and you'll find everything you need. 
There you go. Keep it simple. Some people come on here with a grocery list of places. He says, just go to his Twitter. You gotta keep it simple. That's it. Mm-hmm. Kiss principle. <laughs> keep it simple. Uh, you can find Josh. Where can they find you, Josh? Yeah, at JC Crocker. At JC Crocker. Sometimes, yeah, most of the time I say it and I feel like I'm taking something from you when I say it. Should I be saying it? You okay? Okay. All right. I mean, if you're okay with me saying it, I'll say it. You know, Adam's not here. I still say his. He's at the other FF guy. Um, I don't know, man. (laughs) This guy's he's hiding from Corona. He's pinching his neck nerves. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Maybe you can give some advice. If you if he was here, Edwin could have helped him out. He could have said, "Hey, man, that's true. Let me tell you what to do with this pinch nerve." Questions. Yeah, neck pinch nerves, man. Seems to be a problem these days. You know, it is what it is. Um, you can find me at Clock Dodgers, just how it sounds. No funky spelling, nothing crazy. Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all those places. Um, hey, man, listen, you guys can send us questions. Even even our doctor here, man, this guy likes to answer a lot of questions. He gets bombed. Love questions. answering questions. Hit me up with the questions. Yeah, hit him with the questions. If you guys hit us up, we, we're, we're open to questions, show topics, anything you'd like to hear discussed, any feedback, negative, positive, whatever it is. Get rid of Josh. We've heard that a lot. You know, whatever you guys say. <laughs> um, if you haven't already... Man. It's you know, dogging on you. Yeah, that's what we do here. If you haven't, <laughs> tap the subscribe button, drop a five-star review, all that good stuff. Or you could be one of those people who leave two-star reviews. That's that's also fine. Or you could be one of those really weird people who, like, leave a five-star review, come back a week, a year later and leave a two-star. Like, you're strange, bro. It's okay. We like we yeah, accept that, too. Weird. That's, that's a little weird. Yeah. We don't have the mental health expert on to help with that, so we just have a physical therapist today. <laughs> um, That's right. Podcast for the people, by the people. Thank you again for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. We know, we know you're busy. You're out of town. You're not home. Things are weird. But, you know, you made time. We made time. It worked. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys rescheduling with me. Of course. It's pretty crazy times right now. So <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone again for supporting us. We appreciate it. We love you. As always, be kind. Be great. Keep dying.